All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Sales Pipeline Radio. My name is Matt Hines. I appreciate everyone joining us today. If you're watching us live on LinkedIn, on I think Facebook, on YouTube, you know, YouTube MK is no longer doing like, you know, scripted and unscripted shows. They're not doing pre-programmed shows. So this is it. This is all they got now are these kind of shows. So if you are watching us live on any of those channels today, thank you for joining us in the middle of your workday. It is now officially late January. If that's not terrifying to you, then you're probably not paying attention. Um, but excited to have you here. The advantage of you being watching live, if you are, is you can be part of the show. Feel free to watch us on LinkedIn. If you make a comment, I'm going to see that. You may become part of the show. I may reference you. Uh, but thanks very much for checking us out. If you're checking out the show on demand, either on LinkedIn or through the podcast. Thanks for watching. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for downloading. Uh, we are an episode, I don't know, 350 of Sales Pipeline Radio. It's been a while. If you like what you hear today, we try to cover good topics in B2B sales and marketing. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio available on demand at salespipelineradio.com. We try to feature some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. I think we do a good job of that. But every once in a while, MK, we bring someone on like yourself. I'm super excited to bring you on today, MK Gettler. She, uh, she is the uh, CMO at Loop. Uh, sorry, Loop and Tie. Well, somebody's like it says on the on the on the screen here. It just says CMO. You know it's hard to read. <laughs> um, but uh, MK Loop and Tie, like one of my favorites. Th- one of my favorite companies. Also one of my favorite people. Thanks so much for joining us today. I am thrilled and honored. And 350 is that really the episode count that we're on right now? I didn't bring it. We're on year six. Yeah, we do them almost every week. So yeah, we're it's been a while. That's huge. I mean, congrats to you. That's a massive success. It's it's so 350 for me. First for you. First for D. So thanks, D, for joining the show for the first time today. First time joining a live show. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we got to be careful here. We don't want to have like a Marshawn Lynch Manning cast moment where we have to like pay money to the FCC. Not going to go there. No Um, wardrobe malfunctions here. Everything. No, 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 no. My shirt is firmly on. We're going to be fine. (laughs) Um, Anyway, like I'm very excited to have you here. So, um, so MK, I've gotten to know you a little bit from some of your past roles. You did a, we we saw each other last at the CMO uh, retreat in Austin in December. Yeah. You did a phenomenal TED Talk the first day. If anyone wants to see that, it is now available on demand. I'm happy to send anyone a link. We'll put that in the show notes here. Um, but today, I think we've, there's so much we can talk about. I like first, let's for people that don't know you and don't know Loop and Tie, let's let's fill them in. Yeah, excellent. Well, again, my name is MK Gettler. I am the CMO at Loop and Tie. Um, for those of you who could be listening in with any visual impairments, um, I'm about five foot five sitting in my home office where behind me I have displayed a few nicks and knacks of things that are meaningful and are important to my life. Um, I have short hair. I wear a brown circular glasses and I'm wearing a light denim shirt. Um, I am so stoked for this opportunity to talk about sustainable marketing because I often joke with our CEO and founder, Sarah Rodell, that Lupintai is actually a sustainability company with a gifting problem. So our focus today is to help um, build better connections, build better invitational commerce between folks and do that through gifting. Uh, we see gifting as an opportunity for sustainability to impact not just our environment, but um, economies as well as our social atmosphere. Our company prioritizes using gifts in our marketplace that are sourced from independent creators and makers 
we spend a lot of time sourcing our gifts that are um, environmentally friendly and or are built with folks who are from underrepresented minority groups. We love our female founders. We love our queer community. We love our BIPOC-owned businesses. And we know that there's a huge opportunity, especially in the corporate spending power that's available now, to redistribute those funds and bring them into uh, the lives of some of these small independent creators and makers. So sustainable marketing is at the core of everything that we do. And I cannot wait to chat more about that with you today. Thank you for all of that. So I want to break down a few things there. First of all, yeah. I um, uh, for, for those of you who can't see me, I am a I'm a I'm a white male, um, heterosexual, neurotypical. Um, if you can't see me, face for radio for sure. Recording this in um, in my basement with a little bit of all different knickknacks around me. And I bring all that up not to joke, but really to say, like I um like because I have I feel like I'm a privileged white, fairly typical male. Like there's there's a lot I have learned over the last couple of years about what I know and what I don't know, the privilege I didn't know that I had, the fact that like, you think about people that are listening to this, that are experiencing this, that, that, that you know, I, I don't, I don't think about like setting a picture. I don't think about like, oh, there's going to be a transcript on the live version of this. And thank you, LinkedIn for making that automatic. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think about that and, and the, in the window I have to that, that is still candidly opaque. That is, that is, well, I wouldn't say opaque. I'd say translucent, hopefully now. Right. Um, but getting to spend time with you, getting to spend time with Katie Martell, with Adrian Chang, with people that are different than me, you know, our entire leadership team, except for me, is female. We've got, we're trying to diversify our team. We have a long ways to go. Um, but, I, you know, I don't we want to talk about sustainability. But let's talk about the importance of diversity in marketing as well, not just, yeah. you know, like, you know, putting different colored people in your ads but also diversity of the input, which I think is really important. And we covered this in the CMO talk a few months ago. And the, the one of the themes that just really stuck with me is like, if you have a diverse group designing and develop your marketing, you are more likely to have diversity in your marketing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like to this as a and generating the way and making future uh, folks be successful and have a leg up in the world around you. And representation in all facets of how we bring our show up in our marketing collateral, how we show up in the team that we hire around us, they're all acts of sustainability, of what I call social sustainability. We're building a regenerative environment where there is equity and equality built in all of our practices. And so I, I think that they're not mutually exclusive to think about environmental sustainability or economic sustainability or social sustainability. They're all interwoven within each other. And I also always like, I love to celebrate and applaud folks who like recognize that you're learning in the process because we're all coming at this with very different buckets of experiences and very different reference points in our lives. And so um, thank you for recognizing where you are in your journey and for sharing that so openly with folks. And I love that. I recognize everybody, wherever you are in your journey, own that and let's find new ways to have sustainability in your social sustainability practices. 
I appreciate that. I also appreciate that you mentioned that Loop and Tie is a sustainability company, right? I think, you know, there's there's a business and then there's a values and purpose component to that. Like when I think about the old blockbuster video, you know, they rented movies and rented VHS tapes, but that was a real estate company. Like McDonald's, like fast food has been a real estate company, right? Yeah. Like, and then Netflix comes along and Netflix initially, like the pre-digital version when they were mailing out DVDs, that wasn't a real estate company. That was a direct mail company, right? Yeah. And so to understand like, what's your purpose? Like, what are you trying to do? And it, it, it's not just, it doesn't just define what we are delivering to the market, but it really becomes a compass for how you make tactical and strategic and go to market decisions. Talk a little bit about why that's important to, to recognize that and what that means for both sort of strategy as well as culture. Yeah, I, I love talking about this topic and I wish I could be as poetic and as articulate as the legendary Simon Sinek, but he talks about this in the reference point of the finite and the infinite mindset. He talks about businesses that are playing a finite game, which is largely dependent on binary wins and losses that are playing a game where rules are very clear. The other contestants and competitors in the arena are very clear um, and someone wins and someone loses. It's a very binary, binary type of a, a way to be thinking about business. And this expresses itself oftentimes in business by people being maniacally obsessed with their competitors, <laughs> like mm -hmm. spending time thinking about, is their competitor on top? Are they on top? Um, also, I, I think a, a thing that started to happen too is getting really obsessed with how much money you raise in your rounds of funding and your company's valuation. Like these are finite mindsets to have, and there's nothing wrong with any of these things. It's just that when someone reinvents how the game is played or reinvents who they are and how they present themselves in the world, they're introducing the infinite mindset, which will always win against the finite mindset. You mentioned, um, you know, McDonald's thinking about themselves as a, you know, a real estate company. Like they essentially own a lot of real estate. You think about loop and tie as a sustainability company. Our job with this infinite mindset is to be thinking about how can we rewrite the entire way the game is played and how can we go after goals that are just so big, so audacious that what we will do is something far beyond just the art of gifting, that what we will do will leave impacts and, um, you know, the the impacts and, and uh I, I can't even like emotional resonance is kind of the word I'm thinking with folks in ways that we never, ever imagined. And that's what, where I think marketers can spend a lot of time thinking about that bigger picture, thinking about games that are not even the real financial game that we're playing right now, games of how we're playing, you know, in, impacting our environment, impacting the lives and the worlds that are around us. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think about, you know, I think about the, like fast food. I think about coffee shops. You know, they're not selling burgers. They're, they're, it's really about burgers in a convenient place, right? And so yes. the location, the real estate, it's a strategic advantage. Um, yep. There's there's a difference, though, between strategic advantage and purpose, right? And they can be one and the same. They can be together. But I don't know that McDonald's thinks about their business, like real estate and, and a location. I mean, if they're really good at picking locations, great, but I don't think that's about their purpose. But if I think about Loop and Hine, I think about the opportunity, not just organizations have, but also just marketing team. Like I mean, for people watching and listening to this, 
They may not be on the board. They may not be the CEO. They may not be the founder of an organization that can immediately yet. impact this. Yet. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yet. Exactly. But, but we all have influence over something. And all of this starts somewhere, right? I mean, if you're going to change and impact an organization, if you're going to create a movement, it may start with just you evangelizing it, you talking about it, you sharing, you getting other people in your company excited about it. And when that starts from the top, like a company like Loop and Tide that says we are a sustainable, we are about a sustainability and we happen to do X. Mm-hmm. How Talk about how that then, I hate to use the word trickle down, but like how does that inspire and empower employees throughout the organization to figure out how do I play my role yeah. in that purpose? Yeah. I might actually think about um, and kind of contextualize this for folks and like how it goes wrong if it isn't something that's baked into the DNA of the company and that infinite mindset isn't part of your company's ethos. Um, In June, every June on LinkedIn, I watch as company after company after company changes their logos to their rainbow flags to be there in solidarity with their um, queer LGBTQ plus community of employees, customers, and partners. Um, And then I watch that on July 1st, all of those fall off. (laughs) And that's all we hear from these companies of um, their representation and the amplification of the needs and the voices and the stories of folks that are in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I call that, and same thing happens in April, for uh, Earth Day. Um, same thing happens is going to happen probably here in a couple of weeks, February for Black History Month. Um, there's also um, Asian American History Week, I think also happens in February or early March as well. And I say this because you can tell the companies who have this as like a dangling participle, it's mm-hmm, performative. Mm-hmm right? That that's when they start to do this. And you can tell that it's there because they checked a box and then they've moved on from that box that they have checked. As opposed to the companies that are continuing these conversations and keep bringing this at the forefront of everything that they do and what they post in, you know, even the images they use, the language they use, the teams that they hire and upskill and promote and develop. Um, And you can see that real difference between the authenticity that comes through with companies that have ethos with infinite mindsets versus the companies who have those finite mindsets that are doing some of these acts in a more performative kind of standalone type of an action. You know, it's interesting. I've been reading, um, I'm almost done reading the, uh, the art of happiness, which is sort of a, you know, it's it's basically the teachings of the Dalai Lama. And at one point in the book, someone asks him, you know, say, hey, you know, I bet in your in your in your life, in your work, in your travels, you've met a lot of people that are at an advanced stage of sort of discovering enlightenment. And he actually says, you know what, I don't. He says probably, but he says, you know, the people. He said, I tend to find that the people that get that to that level aren't very noisy about it. Like they don't really talk about it. You can't really tell externally. And so I think you know, there's performative tends to be noisy. I think that you know to be good at doing this, to sort of do this as part of your culture, to make this part of your daily routine isn't about changing your logo. It's about having an impact and having legacy beyond just those actions, right? So how does this, how does that purpose become something that not only creates an impact, but also drives 
legacy. Like I think a lot about like sustainability to me, that also means it sustains beyond what we do. So let's say we don't go to the trade show and we do something else instead, or we create a more sustainable marketing program, or, you know what, we just, we're sort of like, you know, the, you know, the moment George Floyd gets murdered, we sort of go and we do some noisy things. Like how do we make that sustainable? And how do we think about the actions, the actions and initiatives and priorities we have in a way that can sustain beyond us and to successors in the organization and beyond. Yeah, I love that question. And I, I think that's the question that we're all actively working to figure out together right now. Yeah. We've hit this this like, this like form, if we go back to marketing, where we have the awareness stage, the consideration stage, and the decision stage. We're right there in between what I consider the awareness and the consideration stage, where we're becoming more aware of, as you put it, your legacy. If you haven't listened to Matt talk about the legacy that you are building today and how you're going to build that legacy beyond yourself. Definitely take time to listen to that because you're just so beautifully eloquent when you talk about the legacy that you leave. Um, but we're in this phase now where folks are becoming more empowered with what legacy they want to leave behind and, and how they want their life to unfold. I mean, the great resignation is maybe on the downswing, but people started to come to that realization when they, the last two years had to sit quietly at home with their thoughts. <laughs> and say like, all right, cool. So I'm aware of all of these things that I can be active and um, be impactful with and for. Um, and so the way that I think about this from a, a company is that um, I, I put a lot of pressure on marketing around this too, because I think marketing tends to be the voice um, and the visuals of a company's ethos, whether or not they are doing it intentionally. Um, we had a big debate as well, too, at our CMO conference of if employment branding sits under the umbrella of marketing. Um, and I'm going to, for the purposes of this today's conversation, actually put that in the umbrella of this is marketing's responsibility. But you can tell a company's ethos, you can tell a company's charter just by looking at their website and their marketing materials. And you seeing the language that they use, the word choices that they use. Um, and a company themselves, you can look at the leaders and how they conduct themselves in the workplace and how they celebrate um, diversity of thought and innovation. And they, my founder, um, Sarah, thinks about this as the meritocracy of ideas. Mm -hmm. And where do good ideas come from at an organization? And how are those big ideas kind of matriculated to the surface? And so you start to put all these smaller, tiny, itty-bitty pieces together and the sum of their parts suddenly becomes this beautiful mosaic that when you take a step back and you realize you've created this stunningly beautiful picture with just small, small acts of sustainability for your uh, peers, for your economy, and for our environment. Love that. Uh, we are talking to MK Geller today, the CMO of Loop and Tie on Sales Pipeline Radio. And you know, love this just discussion and it's, we've covered a lot of ground. And, you know, when I think about sustainability, I think about diversity, I think about acceptance. I think, you know, there's, there's, it, I don't think there's a destination here. Like, I mean, one of the things I mentioned in my legacy talk in December is that like, this is a journey, not a destination. The journey is it. Like, we are constantly, you know, in, in trying to sort of make ourselves better, making people around us better. And, and any given journey, one of my favorite memes about entrepreneurship is people think it's like, this is the line. Now, the line is like this, right? And I feel like all of these paths are like that. And if we are being authentic and intentional about trying to get better, to be better, to have a bigger impact, 
we are going to make mistakes, right? Like, and so like at the beginning of the beginning of this show, like I literally, like I, I, I introduced you as a she and you right there on screen, it says they and them, right? So, I mean, like, so, again, this is a journey. And I think if we're, to me, I'm like, I know I'm fallible. I know I have a lot to learn. I know that there are things that are ingrained in me from my childhood, from my family, from the things that when you're read, you, you think are, these are the constants, these are the truths. And so to question and discover and to change those over time is not, it's not sitting down and talking about it for 20 minutes. It takes some time. Um, talk about what this takes from an organizational perspective as well as an individual perspective. Let's say we're, you know, someone watching this, no matter where they sit in the organization, they say like, mm. I want to be better. I want to do better. I want this to have a bigger impact. How do you lean into that journey and how do you encourage people to be okay with the missteps and failures that may be in, inherent in it along the way. Yeah, I, I I love this question. And I also just want to thank you and celebrate that moment where you went back and you put vulnerability in the line. Um, and I think without even realizing it, just that act answered this question <laughs> that you were asking to me. Um, it's that we have to all approach the work that we're doing with vulnerability and more importantly, with empathy. Empathy for others and those that are around us, but also empathy for ourselves. We, we tend to be the hardest on ourselves. Um, and so I think sustainability in the word regenerative can complement each other really well in this, in this scenario. It would not be regenerative, regenerative in the social uh, context of me to get angry and to like laugh out at you for miss, you know, miss uh, using pronouns for me. Like that wouldn't be helpful for you. That would make your journey actually, um, it would ca cause you to seize up and to be, um, you know, sad or mad or scared of ever trying again and putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. um, instead, a more sustainable, a more regenerative approach to that would be, would be for me to celebrate that, <laughs> to recognize that like, hey, this is a cool moment in time for all of us. And let's all just try to be better and show up for each other in small but meaningful ways ongoing. And I think that act of always thinking about how can this moment and how can my reaction in this moment cause a more regenerative, a more sustainable pattern for everything that we do is a good frame of reference to use. So if you're an individual contributor who is really passionate about making sure, you know, your, your work is not performative or the dialogues that your company is having about a more inclusive health benefits are really important, always be thinking about how can I have regenerative conversations that open up the dialogue instead of shutting down the dialogue and causing more tension and friction on a topic that everybody's coming into with different context and, and clarity. If you're an executive, how do you have more sustainable, more regenerative conversations with the folks on your team that's life-giving instead of trying to take away from folks' energy and energy sources? Um, and I think it all comes down to how you approach things. I know we're a little over our time, but there's one more thing I want to cover before we run out of time here. I think, or, well, we already run out of time, but as long as you're okay, we'll keep going. That's LinkedIn okay. doesn't care. They'll keep us like, it's like Clubhouse. We can keep going forever. Uh, oh, Clubhouse. Where are you, Clubhouse? <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> um, so, um, I, you know, uh, so, you know, there's there's a difference sometimes with people that sort of want, that, that are still translucent, um, mm -hmm. but want to get better and are open to that feedback. And sometimes people, 
aren't as open to that. And I, I think, you know, we're all like life and business, like change is a constant. Um, and I think, you know, we're a lot of, most people are not like inherently comfortable with change and we are comfortable in what we know. And so sometimes if I see people get angry or fearful or defensive, it, it, it's, 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 if you look at that through the lens of fear, if you look at that through the lens of a place of comfortability and looking at a world or a business or some scenario that I don't understand. Um, and I, and I, and I see this, like I'm old enough now, like I see this amongst friends and colleagues that, that on, on the pronoun conversation, like that's not what they grew up with. Yeah. And yet I then hear like those same people say, yeah, you know what though? Like all the people that are like younger, like they come in and they introduce themselves and their pronouns and it's not a new thing. Like it's a natural thing. And so knowing that the world changes, knowing that, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not productive and quite frankly, just not even physically healthy mm. to let that be a barrier, but just to, to approach it sometimes just with radical curiosity. Yeah. And to know that the world is changing the world that you grew up with, the assumptions you had, the world you went to school in is the longer you get, it is changing. And the, and there are pe- there are younger generations that are going to have like, every, like the old, <laughs> I'm getting on a, on a, on a rant here. Like, the, you know, we always think like, uh, you know, the, the senior citizens get angry and defensive. Like we are going to be those people. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so like, you know, and so we have to, I mean, so let's sort of like, how do you check yourself to make sure that you are accepting of at least open to some of those changes and at least trying to understand, okay, I may not get it yet, but someone else, clearly this is natural to them. So help me find my place in that journey as well. Yeah. I think that, that um, radical curiosity complemented with um, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, those two things become the winning combination to grow with the evolution in the space of where we are and what we will experience further on down the road. When you combine those two variables, one, you're just open to asking questions and putting that vulnerability out there. And two, that vulnerability at the core of just knowing that you're probably not going to know the answer and you're probably going to get things wrong and that's going to make you feel icky or uncomfortable. Like, that's where the rubber meets the road as you grow and evolve in this. And you're right. Like we will be Luddites one day. <laughs> like we will have this podcast. Uh, well, maybe we'll still be on clubhouse 50 years down the road. It will be the only ones there. Um, and that's exactly what's going to happen is that we're going to not know the latest and greatest in terminology and hope that our empathy for ourselves and our empathy for others will allow us to just be there moment we can go with everybody around us yeah it, it will be fascinating to see what our grandkids like say and think and what they're sort of embarrassed about us for i i'm waiting for the day when my when a grandkids says say grandpa you used a physical keyboard like you used your fingers to type things like who does that like something anyway um, wait till we tell them that we had to turn the knobs on the television to change the channels <laughs> You no, know. I already, I find myself sometimes telling my kids, you know what, when we, when I was growing up, there were four channels. There wasn't even Fox. There were four channels. And if you didn't like what you were watching, you had to get up, walk, change the channel. And if yep. you missed the show, 
Oh well, like good yep. luck figuring out when it's on rerun because you never know. Anyway, yeah, you don't see, know. Already, don't get me started done. on how much of our anxiety in our generation is rooted in the fact that we had that quick ninety seconds to do what we needed to do between commercial breaks, whatever yes. it was. Otherwise, we would miss that entry and it would just ruin the rest of the show too. So, yeah, I, mean, I hear you. Just the pause button. Just the yes. pause button. Yes. Right? I mean, you think, exactly. like, and I am clearly in get off my lawn territory at this point, but anyway, which, <laughs> which is a good sign that we need to wrap this up. I know we went a little long, but MK, and you, like, you're super busy, still relatively new in the group. We're growing your team, tons to go this year. Thank you so much for joining us, giving us a little of your time. This is was a phenomenal conversation. Can't wait to sort of help more people get exposed to this. Absolutely. The pleasure was all mine, Matt. Thank you so much for letting me share this space with you today. Pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you to Dee. Thank you to Christy. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to a bunch of people that were watching us live here today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. We will be here next week uh, live Thursday at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific. Until then, my name is Matt. We'll see you next week.